0: This is the BBC.
1: This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts.
2: You're listening to the TMS Podcast from BBC Radio 5 Live.
3: Hello there. Quick get-together on a TMS podcast on the eve of a brand new county cricket season get every ball of every game. You can find commentary on the BBC Sport app and website. Delighted and privileged, I reckon, to say we've got two brilliant guests with us and another few I'll introduce in a few moments' time. But Paul Farbrace and Peter Moores are with us. We're going to try and bottom out by so many high-profile players of the past. I want to bring about major change to the system which actually gave them the opportunities it did. So we'll be looking at, you know, why was it so good for them? Isn't so good now? In other words, another kick in really for county cricket because England have fared so badly. Men's cricket in the winter, is that right? We'll explore that in a few moments' time. Our colleague Nikesh Raghani joins us to reflect on the fallout and much-needed progress to the domestic game, which is needed in light of the Azim Rafiq investigation. Also, Nikesh is an ambassador for Leicestershire. What would the future look like for them in a shiny, elite world of cricket? Emily Windsor is back to talk on men's cricket and the women's schedule this summer. And with a nod to Kevin Peterson, we need someone in the riff-raff corner. Churchy? What <laughs> a start! Our, our poster Lord. pin-up boy, uh, um, and he's had his hair cut specially. Looking good, Churchy. Yeah. You are looking really Thanks. good for Thank a new you. season. Uh, no, oh, Scott right, Reed. Yeah. Um, no, no, Scott Reed for this one. His management company have issued a statement. They say <laughs> he'll be back. Um, he is the BBC man with Lancashire this summer, and he will return. To the band a little later on in the season. Uh, Paul Farbrace, um, cricket director with Warwickshire, of course. Uh, Peter Moore's head coach with Nottinghamshire. Don't need to tell you both heavily involved with coaching England uh, at various points as well. Um, it, it seems as though the battering that county cricket has taken this winter has been worse than any other. Paul Farbrace.
0: Yeah, I think it has, um, Kevin, and it's. Uh, I think it's a great shame. You know, I, I'm a massive fan of the of the county game, Um, you know, and and as you mentioned, both Pete and I have been involved on the other side of the fence and we know what happens when the England team are not successful and the finger gets pointed pointed at county cricket, I think, on too often and too regular basis. I, I think we've all got a responsibility, though. I think the whole game has a responsibility and I think all of us need to take that responsibility seriously um, because, you know, we should all have, I think, in county cricket, we should all have the same goals, which is to produce and develop players to play for England and for your county and also to win trophies for your county. Um, and the two should be able to go hand in hand. But uh, at the moment, it seems as though um, there's a lot of finger pointing at county cricket. And I think it is you know, on the whole, I think it is unfair and unjust.
3: But England have lost four consecutive series, the 1-1 of the last 17 Test matches, the worst record since the 1980s. It's not a great reflection on county cricket, so there must be something that's not right, Peter Moores.
4: Well, I mean, it's an interesting one for me because county cricket needs to reflect the best standard, we know that. But at the moment, the fact that England haven't done as well, it, it's going to be a multitude of factors, and it's not just county cricket. So we need to play on good pitches, but when people say the pitches aren't good, they, they vary. I don't think county cricket has particularly changed hugely um, over the years, if I'm totally honest. It improves in certain areas. It has certain years like last year when, when we might have had COVID restrictions with the conferences in because of that. But I don't think that's the reason England aren't doing well. There's other factors at play here, and that, that to me is... They've had, a, they've had quite a few injuries to their bowlers. They've obviously decided to leave out Broad and Anderson, which was a huge decision before that last series. But also there's a network of support systems around the England team of which they've taken away over the last two to three years, which um, county cricket has always operated and needed support. So where we are now, to me, doesn't feel dissimilar to where we were maybe 20 years ago when certain things were put in place and then have been taken away. And they were there to support players to make this transition between a county player to an international player, which is always going to be a big jump. What, what's been never, taken never away changed. then? What's, what's, what's gone? Well, Loughborough, for instance, Loughborough was, was we basically, we, we put Loughborough in place to, to try and mirror the Australian Academy, which was centralising talent. Rod Marsh came over and set it up. I followed Rod into that. But that whole idea was to try and give a tier between. Um, there was a pace programme that Kevin Shine run that I think is gone. So there's certain things that have gone away from that system. Um, what they decide to do with that, that's up to them. carry cricket's also changed because we're now back to four competitions. We had three. Um, so there's quite a few changes gone on, Kevin, over the last few years, not just about pitches. Um, there's much more white ball cricket than there ever has been. Well, so there's a say, lot of yeah. factors in I mean, that, yeah. that that yeah. aren't quite so straightforward as saying that, you know, it's just county cricket. There's been decisions made, I think, by the ECB themselves, which will have an influence on how we produce players and the sort of players we produce.
3: I'm tempted to say there's an elephant in the room, and to be honest with you, with me post-Christmas, there's two elephants in the room, and i am working on that myself for the next few months and getting rid of that. But, Paul Farbrace, if if we are going to talk about this properly, we have to acknowledge, don't we, that to look back and say, well, county cricket has done this and it's done that for England in the past, it'll do it again... It's a different world now you've got T20, global franchise competitions, left, right, and center. I mean yeah. it, it's, it, it, and, 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 and you know, I've, I've just looked at some of the signings. We'll talk about them possibly a little bit later on you've got, We've still got quality players coming from overseas, but it's not the same, is it
0: No, look the, the, well, I mean I, I'd like to go back to Pete's point there. I think point, Pete's absolutely right. the The changes that have gone away from the the, the support around the England team. No Lions cricket, in effect, really, for the last couple of years, um, I I think is detrimental. You know, that bridging gap between county cricket and international cricket, it's a massive gap. Regardless regardless of the era, regardless of where county cricket's at, that's a big gap. Uh, And, you know, people tell you, I mean, you know, picking people to play for England, there's always that element of unknown because you're not quite sure. and, And that Lions gap, not only is it good for players, it's good for coaches. There's been a lot of coaches who have done a good job at Lions level and it's enabled them to develop their career and, and progress as well. So it's not just about the players. But I, I think that the, that the area of where county cricket has probably changed the most in the last 10 years, Suddenly, when Pete and I started playing, your only source of income as a professional cricketer was through your county contract. And if you wanted to earn more, you had to play for England. Fact. Now, you can earn just as much as your county contract and more by playing franchise cricket around the world. I was at the T10 tournament in Abu Dhabi before Christmas. Pete's been to the PSL just recently. And, and, you know, there there is an awful lot of English cricketers now playing in these tournaments around the world, which is reflective of the fact that England, between 2015 and 2019, the two different World Cups, you know, England started playing good cricket, started winning games, and therefore, more players got selected to go and play in, in the franchise tournaments around the world. And we saw last summer against Pakistan, we could virtually put out a third 11 now as an England cricket team in white ball cricket and beat most teams in the world. There's no doubt we we proved that last year. 19 players were brought together, 24 hours notice, beat a strong Pakistan team, 3-0, played really good cricket in that competition. When it comes to test match cricket, we haven't got that depth to our game at the moment. We haven't got necessarily the amount of high quality players I think could go into the Red Bull side.
3: Yeah, but when you've got people uh, and I'm not going to name them, but notable people who are saying, look, they they think test cricket's going to be dead in 10 years' time. Surely, those people that love Red Bull cricket, they're going to fight tooth and nail to try and keep hold of it. But isn't there a reality that on the international stage, test cricket is becoming less and less important, therefore, surely the domestic game will have to reflect that, won't it? In terms of its size?
0: I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, Test match cricket is English people get a very different view, and Pete will be able to, you know, will be able to confirm this. When you travel around the world, England gets supported brilliantly home and away. Get fantastic supporters. So all our Test matches at home, pretty much, we sell out most days. Test match cricket around the world is played in front of 150 to 200 people in some cases. You know, you've only got to watch. South Africa, Bangladesh, over this last few days. I've been involved with Sri Lanka Indian Series in Sri Lanka, 150, 200 people a day watching, but people are watching it on television around the world. One day cricket looks as though it's in far better health because there are more people physically at games watching the game. So we've got to be really careful how we judge the death of Test match cricket. I don't think Test match cricket will be dead in ten well, years. We, we, I, we, I just think that's nonsense.
3: Yeah, but we're judging it by the fact that you know, word is. I mean, I don't get to see all these figures necessarily, but word is that the TV broadcast deals are becoming less and less valuable around the world for Test cricket. Therefore, that's what them. That's what they'll measure it on.
0: Well, m- maybe so, but I, I, I'm. I you know, I, I don't look at TV numbers and such. What I look at is the game and I look at the quality of the game and what I'm saying is England test matches, we continue to sell out. We we don't have any problems selling out. What we have got to do is make sure England get back to winning ways. And we want England to be back to winning ways. And Pete's right, it isn't just about pitches or county cricket or coaching. It's a whole combination. There's a whole raft of factors that will come together to enable England to get back to being where they want to be and competing to be number one, number two, number three in the world in Test Match Cricket. Um, We're we're there in white ball cricket. Uh, uh, This Talk about this red ball reset and whatever. Whoever comes in as the director of cricket has got to be very clear how they want England to play Test Match Cricket. And I've said many times, even during the period of Trevor Bayliss and Alistair Cook, we, as captain coach, we never quite worked out how we wanted to play Test match cricket. Trevor Bayliss wanted to play with two of the top three being attacking, striking batters like the Australian side have. But we, we didn't quite ever quite get that right. And we haven't got that right for, for a few years. And losing in Australia isn't a new thing. We haven't, we've not only won once there in 32 years. So it, it's not a new thing, losing Australia.
3: But and isn't, isn't it, the, therefore, more embarrassing that we haven't sorted it out yet?
0: Well, we, we, we've... A lot of the things that were said at the end of the test matches this time round, we said last time round at the end of games. We said exactly the same, that the um, Adelaide post-match press conferences were virtually word for word the same as what we said four years ago. And that's why I say we all have to take responsibility for that. You know, All of us that are involved in the game, we need to look at it and say, do we really want England to be number one in the world? Does county cricket, do all of the county clubs really want England to be number one in the world? Or have we got to a stage where actually our county position and our county standing is more important now you know we're we also getting to a stage where instant success is a massive thing so county clubs are looking at teams winning teams playing good well, cricket at this, that time. yeah
3: this brings us peter moore's to the issue of promotion and relegation that's going to be discussed in you know in all sorts of different plans and schedules that we see thrown around and it will get very tedious over the next six months doing this but when when they're throwing around a lot of discussion will be around whether there should be promotion and relegation Within county cricket, uh, and, and and you know that that certainly comes into play with the pitches because I've, I've talked to ground staff. They say um, you know they love their relationships with their, their coaches, directors of cricket. They think that there will be a more consistent, higher level of pitches. Should there not be that need to perhaps win the odd match in a certain way with the odd squad, that sort of thing? So, where do you stand on promotion and
4: relegation? Well, come back to the principle of what promotion and relegation. Came in for. So I think all these decisions are made by what principles do you want to live to? And what did the ECB want to live to? The first principle of that was to concentrate talent and increase intensity of the cricket. So put the best players together and make the intensity of cricket throughout the whole season. So, so whatever system will work, it has to fulfill that. That's the first thing. Now, two divisional did that. It created really competitive cricket because you're either T- competing to win the first division or you're scrambling to stay in it because of the relegation system the, the only teams that really struggled to get the intensity at the back end of the season was those that were at the bottom of the second division because they then once they knew they couldn't win it they couldn't get relegated anywhere else so that was the basic premise and what it came in for so to me that was one of those decisions with a raft of decisions at the time that were brought in to, to try and improve the England team uh, other things that were brought in I mentioned Loughborough um, and support networks around that. And we went from four comps to three comps to try and make sure the competitions matched the global game, um, that there were T20, four day and 50 over cricket. That was, the, that was the system. Now we've gone away from that. I think that's affecting on many levels the difference to the England team. I think the, the decision to go back to two divisions was the right one. And then the key is that we make that done. Now, if if moving forward, there's a decision then to try and concentrate talent in a different way by having centres around that people go to, to improve facilities and stuff like that. That's the decision that the ECB have got to make based on the principles for the best for English cricket. And it's got to make sure that that if you're not one of those centres, that you've got a really clear system by where you survive and thrive as a county club.
3: Sorry, can I throw Nikesh into this in, in this one? I mean, Nikesh, as well as being a commentary colleague of ours, was involved uh, as, as a younger man in the pathway system, and he understands a great understanding of, of the East Midlands, along with Peter, of course, but in Leicestershire especially. If they, if they went down that, that route of elite uh, centres. If they went, I mean, this thing that was thrown up last week went public. I mean, ECB have distanced themselves, but it's a decent um, platform for us to work from the idea of a Premier League of 12, although you keep the other six teams still as first-class counties um, without the chance of being promoted into the Premier League. So this elite system, where do you think it would leave? And this is an important issue right now. It should have been for many years. It really is now communities, cricket communities and youngsters in Leicestershire, for example, in a world which is dominated by elite centres?
2: Yeah, great question. And and Kevin, it would have a massive, massive impact uh, because it's it's not the one-size-fits-all approach that is going to work across areas like the East Midlands or many other areas up and down the UK. I mean, you, you've just got to look at the different makeup of the communities, for example, in Leicester and Leicestershire. Huge South Asian communities uh, have been there for decades and decades, since the sort of 1960s in uh, the case of Leicester. And uh, a lot of them play uh, domestic cricket. If you look at the Leicestershire leagues... uh, probably see at least two-thirds of the players from a South Asian background, entire teams, uh, which were traditionally all white, are now all South Asian because they are the only ones who who are taking cricket seriously. Um, I think part of the problem that Leicestershire have had in the past is they've not engaged enough with that community and we haven't quite seen those players coming through the ranks and making it through to the first team. So that's one issue. But then uh, if if you're going to not have them in the elite, um, you know, yes, there, there's the sort of tick box exercise of keeping them as a first-class county. They, they won't exist in 10 years' time if that's the case. If, if you have a 12-team elite competition not involving sides like Leicestershire and Derbyshire, they, they will not exist in 10 years' time. They will just not be able to have enough talent coming through because they, they won't have the resources then to be able to go and scout these players. There'll be no ambition really from the club cricketers to to want to play for Leicestershire. Why, why would you? If, if you're not playing in the elite competition, you might go and try your hand at knots or, or somewhere like that. So I think it's a massive, massive issue. And, uh, you know, clubs like Leicestershire and Derbyshire, don't make a lot of money as it is. They're not test match grounds. They've had, you know, little success on the field in, in recent years, although it has to be said in the case of Leicestershire, you know, they've, they won the county championship twice in three years at the back end of the 90s and then through the early 2000s went and won three 2020 cups as well. They didn't capitalise on that as a club. English cricket didn't invest in them enough, I don't feel, as well. Um, it's it's you know a bit of blame on both parties there, but is we're not talking about a county that's had no success in its entire history. I mean hugely successful in the 70s as well they've, they've got great history some of these clubs they you know when you think of English cricket and you know Leicestershire, David Gower springs to mind, you know all these great players that Leicestershire have had over the years. And the Academy has been successful as well. You know, Stuart Broad, Harry Gurney, all these recent players coming out. And there's so many down the line that the club has produced. Um, I mean, Peter Moores has probably got half of them uh, up at Trent Bridge at the moment, or certainly has done over the last few years. Um, So that's just what happens. They, They end up getting pinched. And instead of getting pinched, they won't make it to the first team at Leicestershire anymore. They'll, they'll just go around the back door, go for trials at Nottinghamshire. If they're good enough, they'll hopefully get an opportunity there. But as far as Leicestershire and, and clubs like it are concerned, to So
3: I've got to, to interrupt to exist. you. I've got to, well, yeah, I've got to interrupt you. Because if, if, if we're talking about these people wanting an elite world of cricket, you're not saying that necessarily that those, those really good players would be missed. They would just have to go elsewhere. See, I, I was wondering whether actually those pathways would be shut down. You know, yeah, well, cause... there'll
2: be less opportunities, won't there? If if you've got only twelve clubs, which people have an ambition to play for, and and let's let's face it, you know, you call it an elite competition. There's still a lot of work to do to make it elite. Have you got the best overseas players coming? No, you haven't. So the quality is is still got a long way to go, and you're going to go from eighteen down to twelve. There's less opportunities for the good players to make it to that top level. I find
3: it really depressing, Peter, when I hear you know you know good people. I mean, very few in this. In fact, I can only think of one. Uh, very few people in this are, are, are not coming at it uh, from, a, from a place other than, you know, real genuine concern and wanting to make things better, OK? So if people are coming... At, but they, they say to me, there isn't enough talent which makes it worthy of there being more than 10, 11, 12 teams in this country. I find that so defeatist.
4: Well, I think we've got a lot of talented players. I mean, at the moment, I think there's more talent, more more players around through the academy system than there's ever been the question is getting through the different tiers the first real challenge i think from from a player point of view is going from being a youth player to a men's player or from a from a, a girl's system into the full woman system because this transition when you play youth cricket or pathway cricket you're with the with your the best of your age group to then move into playing with Maybe somebody who was the top of the 19s player 10 years ago is now experienced at a first-class level. That's a step up, as it is moving from being a county player up to international player. And they're the transitions you've got to get right. So they're the things for me. I I still go back to where I started from in county cricket and from all that. People migrate to other clubs sometimes for opportunities to improve. And that, to me, is is a healthy system. Um, The big clubs... The test match playing clubs have got to produce their own players. There will always be a migration of players in sport because we've encouraged it as a, as, as a body. We started to encourage people to move. Um, so the world has changed a lot. So that, that to me happens. The idea of 18 first-class counties geographically sitting around the country all producing players seems a really healthy one. We've just got to find a way of making that work within our system to make people go on. And you know, I'll go back to what Farby first said every club has got responsibility to produce players basically for their county, but also to try and give them the opportunity to move on and play for their country. And that to me is, you know, that is, as a a coach for me, I think all the time, I just think you're trying to make people better. And then from that, the good ones. And to do that, you need to create opportunity. And the opportunity comes in so many different ways, partly with your county. Sometimes it's a Lions trip. Sometimes it might be going to somewhere like Loughborough where you're you're suddenly paired with you know, a young Ben Stokes is paired with a young Chris Wilkes mm. and suddenly they find there's two of them both at 18, 19 and they're both good and they push each other to get better. Those sort of systems are how people get better. Can I ask now we've got time? this franchise system which has changed the whole world of cricket because now a good young player in England could end up spending probably eight to nine months playing white ball cricket and... And two to three playing red ball, so that's changed the dynamic of how we produce players again, which has to be taken in consideration whatever we do moving forward.
3: Can I ask for relatively short answers from you, Paul, and and for Peter on this one. Paul Farbrace to start off with the idea of playing ten first class matches in a summer. Where does that sit with you?
0: No, I, I no, I'm with Pete. I I think. we we need to keep all 18 counties we need to keep as many players playing as possible I'm with you I think it's very defeatist to say oh let's just go down to 12 teams and and, you know we're absolutely right we will lose the other clubs and we can't afford to lose clubs we can't afford to lose the opportunity for players we've started looking at players now between the ages of 20 and 23 because we we perhaps we've all as as a game we've made decisions on players at a younger age and we're now seeing that people playing very well in National Counties cricket, they're playing very well in club cricket, yeah. university cricket, and we need to get those players back into the system. And we've got two or three training with us at the moment in exactly that category. So, no, I, I, I want us to keep as many county games as possible and as many um, county what, teams what, what, as possible. What,
3: what is that possible then? I mean, we've got 14 at the moment. I mean, the, 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 are, you, are, you, are you accepting there will be a, a cut in games?
0: No, I, I think 14, I like 14. I yeah, think but do, do you think right. there
3: will be a cut? Does your, does, your, does your head tell you that that's going to happen?
0: Well, the, the defeatists and the people that want to make it easier and simpler might want to play less games. I, I don't. I think we should have 14. And I, I think the, the simple, easy thing to do is to lose one of the competitions. At the moment, for me, 50 over cricket is the most vulnerable. And that's the game that we, we don't need 50 over cricket in domestic cricket to win the 50 over World Cup. We proved that.
3: The way this argument's going at the moment, it it seems as if you're coming up um, with with, with reasons that perhaps other things need to be looked at. It still could be the case the ECB could turn around and say we can't afford to do it. It, It's a money issue. Stuart Broad, Peter, has said, you know, getting back into the England team is not about me taking wickets in Division Two. Does that not say to us we play too much cricket, first-class cricket?
4: I think he probably says he's got 500 plus Test match wickets already, and they probably know what he can do. I think, I mean, if you want to know what Stuart Broke can do, go go and go and uh, watch a bit of archive footage from the last few years. In the last 18 months, he's been one of England's leading wicket takers. So I don't think I don't think from that point of view, he's proving that he can be successful at Test match level. And if he suddenly gets five for, for us in any game, be it first or second division, I don't think that's the issue. You know, he can handle Test match cricket. Um, He's fit and strong and he wants to play. So that's a decision for the ECB to make. Obviously, um, they decided not to take into the West Indies great opportunity for others. You can agree or disagree with that. But I think that's the point he's trying to make. Um He's hungry to play for his country. I think he's proved that on many times.
3: The other thing we're going to see, and perhaps we need to round this off in, in, in a certain... because there'll be plenty more times. Um, if, if you will join me later in the summer, maybe to we'll talk about this. But, but to Paul and Peter again, best practice, OK? Best practice, not just in cricket, but in other sports. Because this actual debate that's going on does exist in, in other sports. We're obviously most interested in cricket. But I can't imagine that either of you... Uh, in fact, I, I think I probably know that both of you look at other sports to pick up best practice and, and what's going on. What, what what have you learned? Can you start off with you, Fab's on on this one to start off with? What, what, what can cricket take from other sports in terms of best practice that you think would be a good positive?
0: You're right. We all look at all other sports and we talk to, you know, Pete and I have been very lucky that because of being involved in high level sport in, in one sport, you get to meet so many other people. We're, we're all having the same conversations, whether that's. Cricket, football, rugby, squash, tennis, swimming—whatever it might be—we're having the same conversations. How do you? How, firstly, how do you find the best performers? How do you then coach them and manage them? And and the management and the coaching and looking after them is the absolute crux of it. You know, coaching has changed. From when Pete and I first started playing, coaching has changed an awful lot. Well, you've well been talking cricket. about
3: coaches being a bit soft, haven't you? In recently, I,
0: I, I think they. I think as as a group, as coaches, I think what we've done is we've allowed players to um, to perhaps cut a few corners. I don't think we've been as strong as we could have been. In, and, and I think it's a real tricky balance. We've seen in recent times, two international coaches at the top of their game, one's lost his job because he's perceived to be too strong and one's lost his job because he's perceived to be not strong enough. Well, there's got to be a balance somewhere along the line. Coaching is about, and Pete said it earlier, what, why do you coach? You coach to improve players. And sometimes you have to tell them the truth and it might not be what they want to hear. But you you have to do it in a certain way that you can't, you know, you can't pin people up against the wall and shout at them like, he used to do when when I first started playing. That was, you know, coaches told you in no uncertain terms. There was no right reply. Now it's a conversation. Now it's about asking questions, and that would be the one thing that I think I have learned certainly over the last few years from other sports.
3: I want to talk to both of you before I, I, I allow you to leave um, uh, in, in about the season for for both your respective teams. But Peter Moore's one thing that does upset people is the idea, um, you know. We are of a certain generation. The next generation down, these are a generation of of, of players that you've helped bring through the system. I'm not going to name any here, but you've brought through this generation. It seems as if some of those high-profile names of that generation now are the ones who are demanding not little changes. I mean, I think of Andrew Strauss straight away, of course, but not demanding small changes, but big changes. Do you in any way look at some of those individuals and feel any disappointment that the system that has developed them And now they're sort of talking in such a tone that actually, you know, it's not good enough.
4: Now I don't look at it like that, if I'm honest, Kevin. What I look at it is a lot of the comments come from... It's whether how much knowledge you have of the county game and of the system. Everybody's view is with the best interests of England. I think there's a bigger picture here. And the big picture is the health of the game in general, from grassroots level all the way to the international team. And the development of players, coaches who've coached for a decent length of time, will start to know how that works. And it's not straightforward. You don't improve um, just because you tell somebody, a pundit will say, listen, he needs to leave better. The coach has got to go with that player and do the hard work to, how does that fit into his game without him becoming negative? And that's a journey you learn, like learning a musical instrument. It doesn't happen overnight. You've got to put some hard work in. Coaches are enthusiastic with those players. They work with those players. And sometimes they have to make some technical adjustments to become a better player the same as a goal forward or somebody else. They have to do something because there is a flaw in their game that will be exposed by the higher-level player. And that, to me, means that coaching is just not a simple thing of saying, go and tell him what he's got to go and do. You have to be honest with a player. So it's never as straightforward as just saying, "Right, well, you know, you've got to play straight. If that was the case, we'd have a lot of very, very good players. You're listening to the TMS Podcast from BBC Radio
3: 5 Live. On to the field of play, and I really do hope that over the next six months we're going to be able to talk more about that. We'll, we'll have to reflect, and it's, it's right, in, in, in many cases we reflect quite a lot of the off-field chat, but let's, you know, on-field. I, I was looking down the, 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 the odds with the bookies as to who's going to lift the, the championship um, this year, the county championship, and actually they, they seem to be going. It, it's quite tight. They seem to be going with Lancashire. But I was looking at it thinking, if you really did look down these lists of squads here, uh, and, and I reckon Paul Farbrace would sort of agree with this to a certain extent anyway, um, you look at that and you think, who's the team that could most likely win the county championship this year? And it most definitely would be Nottinghamshire just a small slight problem that we've got two divisions based on teams of three years ago um this summer which i need to move on from and i promise you i will but (laughs) i reckon i reckon peter um one of your big jobs here is being very careful and with with the words you choose they're saying you're not going to rip up the second division this year
4: well that's the beauty of sport isn't it you get no guarantees in sport um we've had We've had, obviously, a very good season last year. I think, you know, um, we, we won a lot of games. We scored a lot of points. Um, but that doesn't give you any guarantees in sport, and that's why we like watching it. Because you just if you—if we go into this season with even the slightest bit of complacency that we're going to go and beat teams because it's second division, then we would absolutely get a backside kick. So uh, there'll be none of that here. Our lads have talked about it. We know we've got a job to do. It was... Yeah, I think it was quite tough because we played some really good cricket over the last two years, actually. It was tough in 2020 because we didn't get over the line and we had this extraordinary record. But last year, lads learned and got better and improved. And that obviously was shown on the field. So we've got, we've, we've got to take our medicine in the right way, play some really good cricket, as I say, with no guarantees. Um, and we start in earnest at Sussex and that's going to be a tough game. So we'll be up for it.
3: OK, thank you, Peter. Paul Farbrace, just before we, we uh, allow you to leave. Matt Mason, uh, may not be the biggest name that people are, are mentioning, but I'm going to mention him. He's coming across a bit cock-a-hoop with the way things have gone for him in the, the last few months. He's, he's um, one of your additions as a, uh, a coach, uh, of course, and people will know him uh, as well as being a Worcestershire in, in years gone by. But, you know, you've, you've brought in some extra players. How do you think you're standing? How do you, what, what have you done to try and make sure you successfully defend your title this year?
0: Well, we we set ourselves last year of getting into the top division of Super September from the the group stage, just to see where we could where we got to, and it was a really interesting last month of the season. First game at Old Trafford, a draw. Came away thinking we're going okay. Second game, we get beaten at home by Hampshire, and it, it looks as though we've got a lot of work to do. Two games later, you win the county championship. Now, you know, I, I think, and the thing that we've installed in everybody since the end of that last game against Somerset is. We've got a long way to go. We, we are by no means the best team in the county championship in terms of consistency. Um, and, you know, I, I think Notts, um, looking at Notts last year, Hampshire, Lancashire last year, very, very good teams. I mean, they were, they were the benchmarks for us looking at and saying they're the teams that we've got to beat. We've got to get level when we've got to beat them. Um, and that's still the case to me. That doesn't change, even though Notts are in the second division, they are still... One of the teams, I think, one of the excellent teams in county cricket. They do things well. They they play the game in the right way, and they're a team that we we've learnt a lot from playing against them, and we'll continue to do so. So I I think we've set ourselves finishing the top three of this division, um, and that's our that's our goal. That's not to say we're not trying to win it, of course, but top three is our goal for this year, um, and that's part of our pathway that we've set ourselves. So we've also got to improve in. T20 cricket, we got to call the finals last year. We want to go one stage further and get to finals day this year, but so does everybody else. Um, so, look, we, we know we've got a lot of work to do, but we're, we're, we're OK with where we've got to, but only OK, and we've still got a lot of work to do yet.
3: I asked on social media, the head of the recording of this, for people to get in touch with either one player or one reason they thought their team would, would go well in, uh, this season, and I'll do some in in the podcast here and more in our programme later in, in, in the week. But County Cricket Podcast, who's only joined in so we can give them a plug on our podcast as well, which is fair enough. Uh, but he said, Warwickshire, he says, reason will do well. We've got a reinvigorated Dom Sibley scoring runs for fun. Looks like all those hours in the nets with Frosty over the winter have paid off. Uh, Frosty, of course, is one of my favourite cricketers. It's a, it's a, we're keeping a batter. Warwickshire all those years ago. And then he went and spent at least one year on the ground staff before he came back into coaching. He's a wonderful character. But Dom Sibley, things looking good for Dom. I and mean, he made a big call this winter, didn't he? Uh, and hopefully he's going to profit from that this coming summer. He
0: made a big call, a brave call, by turning the Lions down. As it turned out, um, with the weather they had in Australia, it was a fantastic call. Um, so, you know, he he he's worked really hard on his game. The, the one great thing that Sibs has at his disposal is... He knows how to score runs. He has scored runs at international level. He's got hundreds in Test match cricket. So he's not trying to do something he hasn't done before. He has changed his technique. He's got himself, I think, into a very, very good position. It mentally is in a good place. And he started well in pre-season. But, you know, he knows that if if he puts performances in, then, you know, hopefully opportunity to get back in the England team will come. And he's very focused and very driven to do that. And I, I think he's got every chance of doing that this summer.
3: OK, and uh, Nathan McAndrew, in fact, the, the two leading wicket-takers in the Sheffield Shield are making their way over to the competition as well, which is really good news. Rob Yates, looking forward to seeing uh, a little bit of him as well. I thought he had a terrific year last year, and as you say, opportunity for, for players to move on. Paul Farbrace, Peter Moores, thank you both very much um, for joining us. Uh, Essex, they, they're going to push really hard again. Alistair Cook. Signed a three year deal. They won't be seeing so much of Simon Harmer, of course, uh, Jamie Porter, Sam Cook uh, in, the, in the bowling lineup. Um, they've also had added Mark Stacchetti. Uh, I think if somebody, because obviously it wouldn't be out of my pocket if ever I placed a bet, it'd have to be somebody giving me money. Uh, I wouldn't risk my own on such things. But if they did, I might be maybe putting a cheeky pound or two upon Hampshire. Emily, and the, the the only thing that would make me a little bit concerned about that is pitches at the Aegeus Bowl, which perhaps are a little too often, flatten out and go a little dead, make it difficult to bowl the team out twice. Otherwise, I imagine you'd be with me on that, wouldn't you?
1: Well, firstly, I'm absolutely with you. I think, obviously, that pitching, I'm pretty confident there's been conversations um, about how they're going to produce these winning pitches, but I think for Hampshire this year... Um, With the new signing of Ben Brown from Sussex, who's a batter keeper, it's going to change the the balance of the team so we can see another spinner played. So we might see more of Mason Crane this year or Felix Organ, who's an off spinner, which is going to work um, with Keith Barker's footmarks. He's had a fantastic uh, pre-season, Felix Organ, and also with the bat, he's still not out. So I think Hampshire are in a really good place. Their seam attack, Abbott, Abbas and Barker, they're just your three leading seamers. I think the ground we shouldn't worry too much about. I think Vince's experience is success as, as a leader. The new signing of Ben Brown and a lot of players that have scored runs in pre-season. Yes, it's only pre-season and it's what happens when, when the competition starts. But I really like this change of balance in the team and hope I really hope we will see more of Mason Crane this summer.
3: Got some big names back there at Surrey, Mark Church. Big names.
5: Yeah. And I think what I am interested by is the summer as a whole and listening to your conversation there with Pete Moores and and Paul Farbrace. I've never known cricket under the microscope like it is going into this season, which I find absolutely fascinating. Um, Just before I get on to Surrey, with, with, with all the debate about England and is county cricket fit for purpose yes it is because where else are we going to get our cricketers from, where else are our test cricketers coming from if they're not coming from our 18 first class counties Um, and I think that the thing here is it's further up the pecking order with the ECB uh, where do their priorities lie Um, and I feel for the players I felt for the players in Australia I really did on that Ashes tour um, because they're the ones that are having to go out there and do it. And, you know, remember, we've had two years of COVID as well. So that's changed things. This year, teams have had proper pre-seasons going into into this summer. Um, and all the, all the talk about county cricket is all well and good. But actually, at the end of the day where else are we getting these players from? And that we're getting them from county cricket to play test match cricket. And they're not bad players. They're not bad players. Now, maybe the preparation for them going into a test match isn't ideal. And and I sat down last night, Kevin Howes, I had an argument with myself. Um, and I lost the argument with myself. But one thing that people Moore's <laughs> mentioned there, which I think is absolutely critical, is that path from county cricket into test match cricket. There's nothing in between. And if there was a proper set up England Lions or an England academy, there's nothing to stop you before a test series pulling out your best 16 and and, and going head to head with an England Lions team against an England test match team squad and getting yourself prepared, because overseas teams aren't going to come over and play it anymore. It doesn't work like that because there's too much cricket. There's too much white ball cricket. So I I think, actually, you you can focus on 18 first-class counties absolutely fine. But whether you change it to 12 to 8, I don't think it makes the blindest bit of difference, to be honest with you. Because if if there's no middle ground when you're picking these players to suddenly go into test match cricket then you can go anywhere, but they're not getting that preparation. It's not county cricket's fault, it's the set-up's fault. And I think until we get the names that are going to be managing director of cricket and how they want to operate and where do their priorities lie, because White ball's taken care of now, my fear for this season is everybody gets on the players' backs. And actually, it's not the player's fault, I don't think. No. So, so I, I, I just think that all this chat is all well and good. But I just think at the moment yeah. that this summer, and also the other thing here is, as I say, higher up the pecking order, where do priorities lie? Yeah, but it's hard to else? imagine.
3: It's hard to imagine the ECB, in light of everything that's just been said in the four, last four or five months, it's hard to imagine that the, the new chair. Or well, the new md of england's cricket of international cricket is likely to be on anything but on that page of reducing 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 downsizing creating elite but um, where
5: where are they going to get the where is their talent coming from then where, well, what where are they going to get their talent from they'll, it's cre- all they'll, well create, and they'll good. create they'll
3: create different systems Glouc- gloucestershire
5: but, 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 but that that my my point being that is that going to work and uh, I, what i'm saying to you is what i'm saying to you is there is no middle ground between county cricket and test match cricket you're just throwing lads and, in
3: and that's why they want to throwing... create that's why they want to create an elite system which, which bridges that gap between between the two,
5: but I'm saying you can do it with the 18 first class counties. Okay,
3: um, Gloucestershire. Dale Benkenstein. Looking forward to seeing how he gets on. Um, uh, James Bracey um, uh, in there in Division One. Uh, Nazim Shah, of course. Uh, David Payne. We had David Payne on the program, didn't we? Our podcast last year. What a top bloke. Um, and he had a, you know really successful season. Uh, Marcus Harris. So it'd be interesting how he, they get on. Dale Benkenstein, he knows how to win a county championship as a player. Uh, I'm really looking forward to following that story there. Um, you've got Otis Gibson at Yorkshire. All eyes on Yorkshire for reasons that everybody will know. There's going to be no Gary Balance at the start of the season. Tom Cole at Cadmore uh, has a bit of a, a, an injury problem as well. So we'll see how they go. gone. Harris Ralph. Um, uh, of course, is, is a terrific signing early on in the season. Somerset, they'll be there and thereabouts. Peter Siddle, terrific signing uh, for them, of course. No doubt lots of counties in for them. Lancashire, as I say, they are the favourites with the bookies. Looking forward to seeing all sorts of um, individuals there at Lancashire, most notably uh, Josh Burhanan. I think he's going to have a really big year for Kent. T20 champions, they'll be defending that, no doubt, very strongly. But Jackson Bird and then Matt Henry coming along. Um, Darren Stevens, we're looking forward to seeing Darren. has got old Steve-o. So let's see how they all get on there. But I reckon that the top four, as I've got them down here at the moment, look like to me, in no particular order, Essex, Hampshire, uh, Lancashire and Warwickshire. Uh, I did try and set you up for the big names. I'm going to do it instead for sorry, You've got Rory Burns, Ollie Pope, and Sam Curran, uh, with Tom to come back a little bit later on. You've got Kumar Roach around uh, about as well. Jamie Smith, can you quickly tell us a bit about Jamie Smith before we move on? Because he's one um, that people are looking out for, emerging player.
5: Yeah, high-quality player. Um, and I think you just have to look at his stats from last season. The fact that he keeps wicket as well, he captained... Sorry, in the in the one day competition last year, and took them to the semi final. It's just his cricket brain. He, he he has he's so ahead of his years. He's the wisest twenty one year old I've ever met, to be honest with you. Um, and you know he's a talented boy, hugely talented boy. Um, but it's it's the way he goes about about his business. But he he knows. And, and just to get back to the Surrey thing, you know, there's a lot of hungry players for different reasons mm. in that Surrey squad. There's some that have got a point to prove. Um, there are others that are at that point of their careers where if they want to take that step up, now is the time. Um, there's a couple of others that due to retirements have had to step into other people's boots. Um, so, yeah, if, if I was to describe the Surrey squad, I would say it's a very, there's no changes there. I'd say they're a very, very hungry squad this year
3: um, for for various reasons. Northampton have proven in the past that they're good enough to get into the top flight. It's more difficult for them to stay. They've obviously got one or two issues behind the scenes they're going to sort out as well. They, They strike me as a team, and particularly on some of the performances we saw last year, from them that they will be competitive they'll be tough opponents it's if they can avoid having bad sessions, that can be the problem for teams in, in the top flight, having one really bad session and you can then go on and lose the game, so let's see how North Ants get on as well in Division 1, there are 10 teams there there are 8 in the 2nd Division, How our Leicestershire going to get on, Running Fox's ambassador Nikesh Ragani? Speak up for <laughs> Leicestershire. How are they going to cope? Well, up they, against... they
2: surprised a few last season. They're, they're steadily improving in the four-day format. Uh, they've got a, a couple of South Africans this year who they're expecting a lot of. Wean Mulder who was involved in the uh, Test Series against India, the victorious uh, South African squad that was on that occasion uh, against the mighty Indians um, just uh, a couple of months ago. So uh, he'll be full of confidence uh, coming into Leicestershire. Top order back and uh, bowl a little bit of medium pace as well. And then And Buran Hendricks uh, from South Africa as well... Uh left arm, fast, medium. So they're expecting quite a bit from them. They've got Callum Parkinson, who was a consistent performer last season, of course, led by Colin Ackerman. I think it'd be really interesting if we see Rehan Ahmed, the leggy, in action uh, at all in red ball cricket this season. Pitches won't be quite conducive to his style of bowling early on in this season, certainly, but he impressed um, really well for England under-19s in the white ball format, leading them to that World Cup final just a short time ago. I think everyone in Leicestershire is is a little bit more excited about the white ball stuff this season, the T20 Blast, because they've got a couple of really exciting uh, Afghan players. Ramanullah Gurbaz at the top of the order, a bit of a sort of pinch hitter, I suppose. He's, he's of the mould of somebody like a Verenda Sawag, uh, not quite of the same quality, of course, but that same mindset of just see ball, hit ball. And then Navinul Huck uh, who's an exciting uh, young seamer as well from Afghanistan. Both of them performed uh, pretty well in the T20 World Cup. So I think they're more excited, I think, in Leicestershire about the white ball formats. But certainly as far as red ball cricket is concerned, they'll, they'll be, you know, quietly confident of uh, mounting some sort of challenge for promotion. Just
3: a quick word from you on post-Azim Rafiq. It isn't post-Azim Rafiq, post-Azim Rafiq and his appearance before the select committee and everything that's gone on in the the couple of months since then and the investigation's <laughs> ongoing. How, how has that played out for you and how would you hope that it plays out now over this summer?
2: Well, I mean, firstly, uh, it, it's it's frustrating that it took something like this for people within the game to realise just what kind of problem there is, and it's not just obviously about Azim Rafiq. He he brought it to the fore, and and he obviously went through some terrible times uh, at Yorkshire. But this is a problem that that has been around in cricket, in sports, in the UK for forever, pretty much. And uh, you know, I've faced similar things to Azim. I didn't play for the first team at Leicestershire, but I was involved in age group cricket and and high level club cricket within the county as well, and. It's gone on for years and years, and, and I was just so glad that it finally caught the attention of the mainstream media. Uh, the, the next step is key, as you say. What happens next? What changes can be made? Uh, it's it's very difficult. Yorkshire are, are trying to put certain things in place and forge those better links with the South Asian community there. Um, th- there was the question earlier, wasn't there, about uh, the, the sort of pool, the talent pool within England Is it big enough to sustain 18 counties? Well, when you look at the fact that two thirds of all recreational cricketers in England and Wales, every single area, it doesn't matter, two thirds of those recreational cricketers are from South Asian communities. Why are they not getting into these county setups? Is it because two thirds of the players are rubbish in in recreational cricket? I don't think it's that. Um, There's a massive, massive problem there. And I think that needs to be addressed. And I think one of the only ways to address that is those people who make those decisions within academies at counties. There needs to be more representation from the community. They need to start training up some uh, minority uh, ethnic minority coaches there. Uh, there's the black community, which has been sort of uh, ignored, really, for, for so many years. Um, the ACE program is doing wonderful work on that regard and the ECB now getting involved with that. So. There's there's lots of things like that which need to change. It's going to take a lot. It's not just a case of uh, the ECB coming up with another one of these so-called schemes, which they like to do every couple of years to get more South Asians involved in cricket. I mean, building a couple of pavilions in park cricket is is not going to solve the problem. And that's all they've literally been doing. They spent so much money on the South Asian engagement programme a couple of years. Basically, nothing came of that. It was It was an absolute joke. It got lots of media coverage, made them look good at the time. But the proof is in the pudding and the, you know nothing has happened since. So it's going to need serious, serious change. It's going to need all the counties on board with this as well as the ECB. And only then can we start to solve this problem, which uh, has been there for a number of years, as I say.
3: And if they fail county cricket, this is now... That'll be one reason why other people will be able to then say that proves they're not fit for purpose. Uh, Hugh Loy, I think Derbyshire will do well this season, not because of one player, but because of them being one team. Don't think I've ever known a more together group of players. Mickey Arthur, that was some sort of shock announcement, wasn't it? That sort of came from nowhere. Mickey Arthur, terrific. All that international quality of coaching uh, at Derbyshire. Let's see how they get on. I'm mean, looking down all of these the, these teams. Nottinghamshire do stand out a little bit, but I reckon there's really competitive games of cricket on the cards there. Uh, Derbyshire, Durham, Glamorgan, Leicestershire, Middlesex, Notts, Sussex and Worcestershire. Really interesting season. How's it all shaping up county cricket-wise uh, in the women's game, Emily?
1: Well, um, we sort of were in the unknown, weren't we, last year? What county cricket would look like uh, for the women. But it's still here. It's still alive. Um, So county cricket and the ECB leagues, uh, it's taking place in April and May. It's 80-20 games in four days. That is it. So it's very short and sharp. That's all the ECB are putting out there. But I have this Feeling we are going to see this regrowth of county cricket, and let me just explain that to you. So, the Southern Vipers I know it's my, my uh, region, and I'm biased. Um, but they've created this self-central cup, which sees all the counties in the region, so that's Hampshire, Sussex, Berkshire, Oxford and Dorset and Buckinghamshire. They go head-to-head in a 50-over competition throughout the summer, so we will see the next best crop of ladies that aren't in the Vipers' first 11, so even those players that are in the Vipers' squad but don't make the starting 11 will be playing this with the hope to further develop and find some new talent across the region and I'm expecting to see other regions f- will follow this um, in, in a similar way so we may actually see a, regr- a regrowth in county cricket but primarily through the regions rather than from that ECB um, but we've got an exciting summer of women's cricket ahead just, apart just, from the county cricket.
3: Yeah just a bit I mean we were delighted to see you all over social media with 100. Uh, Last summer. That was terrific. Also, of course, helping your team across the line in the Charlotte Edwards final. Charlotte Edwards Cup this year is going to have quite a few uh, England players probably, isn't it? Because that'll be the preparation for the Commonwealth Games, which is going to take pretty much centre stage alongside the 100 within the women's game off the back of what was just a remarkable story in New Zealand, which has just come to a conclusion as well. But um, the, the, the role that England players will play in the season up and coming?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Exactly right. So how the season looks is we've got the Charlotte Edwards Cup starting, which starts mid-May. And we're expecting to see England players available to play in that. Um, And also it's a fantastic opportunity for the domestic players to put their hands up and say, I'm ready to play for England because there is... Two England um, international tour South Africa, that starts in, in June. Um, and then they've obviously got the Commonwealths in the middle, the 100. And then England have got um, India overplaying England as well. So there's a lot of international cricket. But that Charlotte Edwards Cup at the start of the summer is when we will see those England players. Um, and they will be going head-to-head with domestic players as well because there will be competition for places in that England side. Um, and then we can't forget the Rachel Hayho flint which Cup um, competition, which is primarily played in June before the 100 and in September after the 100. Um, it's a really, really exciting and busy, probably the busiest summer we've seen um, since the women's games been professionalised. So, yeah, very exciting.
3: Uh, Dave Brooks has been in touch on Twitter saying Tom Haynes of Sussex, so still at the crease, he says, Poise plays the ball late. And the 1,000-run season, we should see him on at least a Lions story. Bowls a few trundles uh, as well, though. Prone to falling over mid appeal. Well, who would have guessed it? Um, but anyway, um, thank you. I'm going to read out more of those messages over the the start of the the season as as well. But in terms of of quality let, um, and and the way things really have improved in the women's game, i mean, sure people are talking about the gulf uh, with Australia and everything at the moment, Emily. But and, and just a quick word from Church off the back of this as well. But. But the quality, the the professionalism, obviously the contracts have made a difference. I mean, massive steps, massive steps forward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That in, and you can Australia, are, are the gold standard. They've invested in their women's game, however many years ago, and look at them in that World Cup. They were the most professional out. Um, outfit. They were dominant. They were athletic, and yes, we are a few years behind that. But the way, way the game was two years ago, when these regions were set up, to where it is now, is it, very different. And it's going, there's going to be some exciting cricket to watch, and players are developing at all levels. So yeah, it's it's such an exciting time for the women's game and it's only going to go up um, almost opposite to the, to the men's game there's a lot of positives around the women's game and this new structure so um, yeah really looking forward to the summer as a player um, and obviously as, as a commentator as well
3: We get very excited when we commentate on you as a player though don't we Churchy <laughs> there'll be coverage, there'll be coverage on, on the BBC Churchy is involved with uh, with a lot of that um, you have noticed a lot of change you you, you keep talking about it Churchy um, to us throughout the season
5: yeah, I think it's fantastic. And, and I take the barometer. I've got a 12-year-old daughter.
3: Um, and
5: I think more through luck than judgment uh, with the 100, I think that was fantastic for the women's game. Uh, the exposure that the women's game got there. And, you know, when my little girl's tapping me on the shoulder after, after watching a game of, uh, of the 100 um, and saying, Daddy, can we go and have a hit? I'm, yeah. Of course we can. So I, I think, we, you know, with what Emily's saying there, I think it's such an exciting time for, for the women's game. I really do. And I, I think, you know, the exposure and the coverage and the number of professional cricketers there are now in the women's game, it can only go from, from strength to strength. And, yeah, I'd agree with you. Every time we're on air and... Our, our dear colleague, Emily Windsor, is out there batting and providing the glue to that batting order. And well, whenever hey, there's a collapse yeah, and I she know. comes and, know, and, and the I calm know. head, she's the calm head in the commentary box. She's the yeah. calm head out in the middle as well. She, now, she
3: she, is brilliant. She is truly brilliant. But let, and, and it's very exciting. Oh. Let's be honest. We are nervous, okay? We are ner- because we have built yeah, up that sort are. of relationship now, like no yeah. other player that we commentate on. We just get a yeah. little bit tingly nervous. I know, nervous.
5: That's I, know. I know. It's not, it's, it's not good. But, no but,
1: but, is that because you've not... got to deal with a grumpy me if I don't get? Any no, I've, I've never met <laughs> a grumpy
5: yeah. one. Look, there wait, wait. there yes. is that as well. There is that we we know if you're on air with us the next day and it doesn't go according to plan. Oh, what a long afternoon this is going to be! But, wow. but, but but no, I think I think the women's game, you know, it's terrific, and we saw it with, with, with what, the, what, what England did on that run to get to the final and everybody talking about it. So, as Emily said there, it's, it's, it's in a hugely positive place at the moment.
3: OK, uh, many thanks for everybody who's taken part in the last hour or so. Um, so much we've covered, so much we haven't covered, but we will do over the next six months. But the most important thing, as Churchy alluded to, is the fact that we will give uh, so much attention to the players, what they're achieving in all the cricket this summer, um, because they are truly gifted, wonderful people. And that is why we're here, to to, to spread the word of cricket. Uh, thank you, everybody, for taking part. Don't forget, every ball of every game, uh, the men's uh, cricket throughout the summer, you can follow that on the B. BBC Sport website and also the via the BBC Sports app. We'll be back with plenty more over the summer so please join us there.
2: You're listening to the TMS Podcast
4: from BBC
2: Radio 5 Live.